So corporate worship, let's talk about corporate worship. I've never liked that phrase because the word corporate to me in the modern context just means business. Like, what does the church worship have to do with business? Well, it's, it's the word corporate has this uh, derivation from the Latin corporatus, and it means a, uh, into a body or formed into a unified body of individuals. Now, when you understand it from that light, you go, oh, okay, corporate worship. And the body of Christ is supposed to be a unified body of individuals. We are individuals, but together we form a body. So corporate worship makes sense, right? I thought that that term might confuse some people. It's always stumbled me a little bit, but now you understand why we're calling it corporate worship. It's not because we're having a business meeting. It's because we're coming together to worship as the body of Christ. And so that gives us the understanding that if it isn't the unified body of Christ coming together to worship, it isn't corporate worship. It's something else. It might be a rally, a concert, a protest, but that isn't corporate worship. So we're beginning to narrow the scope and define what corporate worship means. Let me give you what I think is a very accurate, very specific definition of cor corporate worship, and that's this. It's a biblical response by a local assembly, that's us here, of the body of Christ. And what are we responding to? To the person of the triune God, to his past, present, and future works, especially as they pertain to reigning and redemption. When we gather, when we have corporate worship here, all our songs, our preaching, our teaching, what we do together, the discipleship, the encouragement, it all should come underneath that definition. Is anybody with me today? So today we're going to take, and what I think are probably the three most important understandings about corporate worship. In fact, if you take one of these away, it's not really corporate worship. And the phrase that I'm using, if you go to your bulletins, if you have that, if you're taking notes, there should be a note sheet there. And I'm going to fill in these, these answers. And it's always going to be this phrase followed by what we're looking at, authentically biblical corporate worship. We really need to define that. It's got to be the true kind of worship. And so if it's not authentically biblical, we want nothing to do with it, right? So authentically biblical corporate Corporate worship occurs uniquely in each local church. That's your first U word today. It occurs uniquely in each local church. This is really important. You might not understand why this is important. So uh, let's all do a little mental exercise here. Um, before we do that, I want to say one thing. Why is unique uh, important? Because when you start comparing, you have a tendency to feel like you're in competition. You ever notice that? When you compare, you compete. Guess we're not competing with any other church for our corporate worship. And so if we see ourselves as the universal body of Christ, then what God uniquely does here completes what he's doing somewhere else. Does that make sense to you? So we have to be unique. If we, if we are a copycat, like shame on us for not allowing God to do uniquely what what is in us. So let's do this mental exercise. You don't have to close your eyes, but picture with me, if you will, a tree. Just your version of a tree. Get that really clear in your mind's eye. 
And if you describe that to me, I think we'd all be talking about a tree, probably has a trunk, right? Maybe some branches and some leaves. But beyond that, one of you might have pictured a palm tree while someone else pictured an evergreen. Do you know how different those trees are? Different climates, different soils, different bark, different foliage, different fruit. So many times as church-going good church-going folk, we have our tree in our mind, and we come and we think, well, the worship here is going to be just like I have it in my mind. It's going to be like my palm tree or my evergreen tree. But God is saying, you have to embrace the tree that is worship here, corporate worship at the Church of Grace and Peace. And let's erase what you think you know, what you might know, and let's embrace and, and experience the unique corporate worship here. Let me tell you how unique we are. Did you know that we're a North American church? We're not in any other place in the globe. Did you know that we're in the United States? Some of you, are you awake this morning? Did you know we're in the Northeast? You're like, geography, Pastor James, come on, give me a break. We're in New Jersey, we're in Ocean County, we're in Tom's River. You see the uniqueness getting more specific, more specific, more specific, that creates a unique cultural context of our corporate worship. We're a New Testament Christian church. We're a Protestant church. We're not Catholic. We're evangelical. We're independent. This is not a denominational church. It's independent. And furthermore, we're Pentecostal and charismatic in our expression. That, all right. Woo! Yeah, Pastor Nate, did you see him? Praising the Lord with the dance up here earlier. See, it's very unique. I'm not, I'm, it's very unique. Praise the Lord. So let's go a little bit deeper than that. And, and so here's the thing. We have a great legacy, a great history in this community. Our founders did a wonderful job of planting and establishing this church. But one of our founders has now moved on and been promoted to heaven, and now there's a new senior pastor. And so our uniqueness, we don't undo the past, we keep the foundation, but now we're moving into, you know, we're relatively young in terms of new leadership. And God is drawing a new uh, face to the community, new congregation members, new leadership. And so that's all unique. That's all unique. We have unique pastors. We have unique deacons, uh, unique leadership, unique congregation. And so that makes this a journey of discovery, and it's shaping us and getting us more and more unique. And let me explain a couple of the things that we believe are important here that makes it unique. We believe in the ministry of excellence. Some churches don't place a big deal on that, but we do. So when you come, know that you're going to experience what we believe to be the ministry of excellence, which is doing the best that you can with what God has given you and slowly making progress toward doing better. Constant and never-ending improvement. That's one of our mantras on staff. We believe in discovering and equipping people in their gifts, building the people that shape the world, right? putting together people, releasing them to do the work of ministry. We believe in team. Together, everyone achieves more. That's going to shape our unique expression of corporate worship. 
And so we're not unique just because we decided to come up with these things or we thought it was a good idea, but we're unique because the second idea here, understanding authentically biblical corporate worship occurs under authority. We've decided that we're going to remain under the authority of the word of God. If it's not in God's word when it comes to describing worship, we're not going to do that. We're not going to just make something up. We're not going to borrow an idea from somewhere else that we've seen. But we're going to say, what does God's word want to say about corporate worship? Do you want to know what God's word has to say about it? Let's check it out. John 4, 24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Our corporate worship here at the Church of Grace and Peace is unique, and it's under the authority of God's word, and we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. This is a rich passage if you study this conversation Jesus is having, but I want to pull one thing out that, that it means for us. Jesus is she's saying, hey, you know, what's just right, what, how my ancestors worship or this other group and where they're doing it or how they're doing it. And he's like, no, 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 time out. Guess what? The worship landscape as you know it is changing. Everything that you know about, all the types, all the shadows, all the sacrifices, they pointed to me. And now I have come to be the supreme sacrifice. And now the Holy Spirit is going to be released into the earth. And you're going to have to, not by ritual, not by right, not by sacrifice, but you're going to gain entrance to the Father through me, Jesus. That's what spirit and in truth worship. And that gives us great liberty here. It means we will have liturgy. We will have an order of service, but we're not bound to any specific thing. And we're not going to worship our worship. We're not going to be stuck in a religious mindset because we're going to be free to worship the Lord. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We worship the Father through Jesus. Hebrews 10, let's take a look at what, what this text says for us today. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, get this, this is huge, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's approach God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water in spirit and in truth, coming by a new and living way. There was animal sacrifices and they had to be sacrificed and then the people would sin and then you'd have to bring the sacrifice again. Jesus is the lamb that was slain from before the foundations of the world forever and evermore. It is finished, it's done, and he's alive. So we come through the living sacrifice of Jesus. And Pastor Ralph taught good on that. We present our bodies living sacrifices. I'm not going to dive into that text today, but this is the way. Paul writes in Philippians 3, 3, for it is we, that's us, the church, who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And the new living, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human 
effort. Now let me stop right there and make one comment. Does that mean we don't do anything with our bodies when we come and worship? Absolutely not. We are commanded, as we're going to look uh, here in a minute, to respond to God with our bodies, to worship him with exuberance. But it isn't that that it gives us entrance. It's Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the new and living way, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. Do you know what? We were this close today. Did you feel it? I want to see every single person get free in here. Every single person. There's just a little bit of a lid, and I wanted to take a giant sledgehammer and somehow just hurl it and smash that ceiling and feel this place explode and erupt with praise and worship. Like, what's holding us back? What's holding us back? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You are free to worship in this place. See, something amazing happened. God at one time only showed up in the tabernacle. He would only come in the, temp in, the, in the temple. Can you imagine not having access to the Spirit of God? But then what happened when Jesus came, lived his life, died, was buried, and rose again? The Spirit of God was breathed into the earth for all of us to experience. And now when you come to church, the Spirit of God within you is what gets to be poured out as our corporate worship, 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You're not your own. You're now the temple of the living God, and he, he belongs inside of you, but he also deserves to be released together in our midst when we worship corporately. Am I preaching too good for you today? Ephesians 2, 19, so then you are no longer, praise God, no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing, is growing, is growing, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you, that's everyone in this room, that's everyone watching, uh, online or listening back are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Authentically biblical corporate worship is us coming together and growing together and continually being built into a better representation of what the temple of God looks like. And so there's a sacrifice. The ritual animal sacrifices went away. All the offerings that were prescribed by the people of God went away and Jesus became that sacrifice. However, what is our sacrifice now? Because we still need to bring an offering to the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. When you come, when you sing, when you shout, when you declare, when you testify to, to someone you met at church of what God's doing in your life, of, of how he's changed you, or of the things that he's doing in this church, that is the fruit of our lips, and it's offering a corporate sound of worship. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another 
in, what's that word there? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God and Father, and subject yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. So Psalms, he encourages us to sing and make melody with Psalms. Well, what are the Psalms? The Psalms are the church's uh, worship service. Uh, the people of God, it instructed them how to worship, when to worship. There's beautiful prayers in the Psalms. There's beautiful songs of worship. There's exhortations for us to worship. And I want to take a look at just a couple of those and just get us really excited about what that looks like today, what biblical uh, worship looks like today from Psalms. Psalm 95, are you still tracking with me? Let's look at verse 1, 2, and then I'm going to throw 6 in there because uh, it, it meets the, the topic here at hand. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyful, joyfully to him with psalms. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Before I read the next one, there are so many different ways that God has created us to worship him. So many different expressions, so many options. And he wants us, he wants to move through us in those expressions. And we want to see that and experience that here in our corporate worship time. Psalm 100, verse one through four, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, Serve the Lord with jubilation. Come before him with rejoicing. Know that the Lord God himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That's a wonderful thing to contemplate. We are his creation. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courtyards with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Are you picking up on this? How many times does God word, God's word tell us to give thanks? You know, that is one of the strongest, most powerful expressions of both prayer and praise you could ever do. It's, it's, listen, it's okay to acknowledge the things that aren't quite going so well, but what happens? You change the atmosphere where you thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you so much for what you've done for me. I could never say thank you enough. Praise you, glorify, and magnify your name. And when that one singular voice joins the voice of, of this room filled to capacity, and we're believing God that we're going to fill this room to, to capacity, we're close to busted through the 500 attendance barrier. Let's, let's believe God. Hey, how simple is it just to invite a friend to church? What if every week you're like, yeah, God's doing some amazing things there. I just met some, some really neat people today before first service, some, some new guests. Every week new people are coming and God is drawing them. And so what happens when, I don't know, 700, 800, 900 people fill this room and begin to shout to God with a voice of triumph? Do you think strongholds in our community would start falling down? I think people would start getting saved and delivered on the spot. You think God could do more? See, there's his part and there's our part. We can't, we can't just come and be passive spectators. We have to activate what God has said here. And so there's all kinds of different types of praise. It would be for a longer sermon at another time. But, but Google some Hebrew words for praise and look at how unique one of the, each one of those expressions are and what it releases when we say that specific thing. 
warfare, healing, protection, right? All kinds of different things happen. And so not only those expressions of praise and worship, but then to focus on, like we did during our, our songs today, the name of the Lord. There's so many different names and attributes of our God. Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Listen, you're getting bombarded by names all the time. Depression, despair, disease, cancer, sickness, bad economy, lack of money. All those things are names. Don't exalt those names. Tell them they have to bow to the name of Jesus, who is greater, who is bigger, who is our provider, who is our healer, who is our strength. Yes. Exalt the name of the Lord together. Don't you know it's hard to do something by yourself? But then when you grab hands with someone else, what are you going through? And then when you come in here and we're all pulling together, we're exalting the name of the Lord together. And nothing that is against you is going to be impossible for God to move in your life. Psalm 22, 22, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. And I was talking uh, with one of our worship team members about this whole idea that, that worship absolutely is vertical, but it's also horizontal because you and I need to encourage each other what the Word of God says. And when we're doing that, God is still magnified. God is still exalted. God is still, is still honored, and He still wants to make a habitation on those things. So yes, we say, go team. This is what God is about. This is who He is. This is what He wants to do. And then we get to that moment in service where it's just all you, Lord. To you belong the glory. To you belong the honor. But we magnify your name, Jesus. We love you. We exalt you. We lift you up. The strong chorus joining like we did today, the hosts of heaven singing holy, holy. That song is powerful. First time I heard it, I, there's something on it, and I felt it gain traction in our body today. It's so powerful. And so secondly, when we come under the authority of God's word, we also need to realize that there's local delegated authority within the Lord's church. So we want to make sure that we come under the delegated authority within the Lord's church. Let's look at what Paul wrote about some of these things that were not uh, very, very blessing to, to the order in the house of God, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now in giving this next instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, corporate worship, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. For there also have to be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Let me stop for a second comment. We'll read the rest. That's kind of about there's more important people. Some people are more important than others. And there's this contention and there's these factions developing within, within uh, what they're doing here. And then he goes on to say, verse 20, Therefore, when you come together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, which is what you should be doing. For when you eat, each one takes his own supper first. And one goes hungry while another gets drunk. Let's metaphorically lay that over our worship services. What if you just come in here and it's just all about you? Just give me, give me, give me, Lord. I don't care what anyone else is doing. I, I just need, I need from you. It's a little, it's a little selfish, don't you think? 
because we have brothers and sisters in here that are worshiping. It's about we, it's not just about me. So think about that. First Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder. Amen. Amen. But of what? Peace. peace, shalom. His name is Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, perfect peace. As in all the meetings of God's holy people, when we come together for corporate worship in the assembly, there needs to be order, and it's going to be kind of managed and led by the local pastor of the church, the local leadership of the church, as we surrender to the Spirit of God and as we do things decently in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly way. Are you getting this? Now, in the NUMA series, we're going to dive into some more about the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, uh, how He moves, and how He moves in our corporate assembly, and kind of how, how we're trying to order that and make sure we're doing those things in a, in a proper way. And so if we take this idea of what He's writing to the church, and, and we're the same as, as them. We're just people. We're fleshly people. We're going to struggle with these things. He's saying, hey, y'all... Just stop fighting about the worship service. I don't know if you remember in the 80s, there was the worship wars because the, 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 the new songs were coming in and there was this battle over hymns versus praise choruses. I mean, we had church splits over what songs to sing. Can you imagine that? This should not be. This should not be. He stopped fighting about, stop hogging the communion bread and wine. Stop coming with your agenda thinking, well, if church isn't what I want it to be today, then I don't know if it's for me. Come on, somebody. He's like, we can't have 42 prophecies. We're just not going to do that. You might all be hearing something, but we're going to have a couple, and it's going to confirm what the Holy Spirit's doing, and it's going to confirm what the message of the day is from the Word of God. And so let me just tell you this, in case you feel like you're getting yelled at. This church, by and large, doesn't have any of those issues. You all are amazing. I was so blessed in worship today. And so what we're, what we're talking about here is let's be mindful of what God's word says and let's continue to press in and move together and step up to that next level, right? We can do that, right? Yep, and it's for me too. Listen, I come in just like, like you and sometimes I'm like, the last thing I wanna do is lift my hands up. The last thing I wanna do is sing these songs. I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm beat up. But you know what? That's why it's a sacrifice to worship. It's a sacrifice. You say, Lord, I'm doing it for you. And you know what? When you start, then all of a sudden you come alive. But you got to cross that barrier. These altars are open at any time for you to come and, and worship. Let's get back to that place where there's that freedom and that everyone can come and just worship. By the way, Mom, the banners today were beautiful. Thank you very much. And inspiring and symbolic worship and, and all kinds of things are happening in the spirit realm when that goes on. So we appreciate that. And it's something you should value and understand that it's an expression that's going to happen uniquely in this local church. And we hope to be building the next generation of, of, of banner worship team. So if, if you are the next generation and you want to get involved in that, talk to my, my mom, Joanne Gilbert. She'll, she'll get you started. So are you hearing what the Word of God has to say here? And so let's, let's uh, 
come to a close here. Finally, authentically, biblically, biblical corporate worship occurs in unity. And everything I've been saying so far is kind of headed in this direction. Let's look at what God's word says here in Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard as on Aaron's head. The oil which, which ran down upon the edges, uh, edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord commanded the blessing there, life forever. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not an expert on this, but I understand when that, when that dew flows down that everything gets life from it. And so in unity under Jesus, head over all things to the church, under the local pastoral leadership and all the fivefold ministry, when we're pulling on this together, when we're submitting and surrendering, all of a sudden life comes, life to the body, life to our worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at Second Chronicles. And I've got some folks that are going to help me with my sermon illustration today. If you would make your way down here. We're going to look at something. Second Chronicles 5, 13, 14. In unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice. Everyone say one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they raise their voices accompanied by trumpets, trombones, cymbals, and other musical instruments, and when they praise the Lord saying, the Lord is good, he indeed is good, for his kindness is everlasting. Do you know they sang the same song? There was no one saying, I don't like that song. I'm not going to sing that song. They were all singing the same song. Did you know the trumpeters probably rehearsed for that day? Did you know the priest prepared for that occasion? This is the, the dedication of the temple. When they said that, when they were in all, all one accord, then the house, the house of the Lord, that's, this is here now, you, the temple of the Lord, this would we gather, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not rise to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Let's take the glory of God that is in each and every one of you and let's combine it all together and see this physical place be filled with the manifest presence of God Almighty. How many of you want to experience that? I think a lot of times it's like the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? And we just struggle to get there. And sometimes we try too hard and we try to make something happen in the flesh. But you know what? If we just surrender under the authority of God's word, if we realize that, hey, we're unique, God's going to do something unique here, and we're going to flow with the leadership, and we surrender, then, then what's going to happen? God's going to have his way, and he's going to do what he wants. Oh, we're short a person. Is, is Pastor Nate in here? Pastor Jim, you want to come up and help me out? Christine, come on up. Come on up. Yes. All right, so we're going to go every other person. Good, Pastor Jim there. All right, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So this, this uh, rod here, can everyone see very clearly? This, all these beautiful people 
are, are you all? The unique representation of the people that God has assembled here in the church. And now our stick, this is the authority of God's word. And it's also the, the authority of the local church, the local vision. Now, when they surrender to these things, I want to ask them to lower the bar altogether. Now, here's the rule. You can't, like Christine, drop your fingers real fast. Just drop them down. You can't do that. Everyone's finger still has to be on the post. That means not any single individual can run ahead of the others. They have to move together in unison. If you think this is easy, I'm going to leave the poll up here afterwards for you all to try it. Okay? So let's just, let's just see if they can do it. Let's go ahead and drop it together. See, her fingers keep popping. All right, let's stop right there. They're, they're having a hard time. I've, I've done this a couple times with different groups, and, and when I say go, sometimes it rises. Because <laughs> everyone's trying to keep contact. So let me give them some instruction, and, and this is kind of the voice of the Lord coming and, and, and leading what's going to happen here. So why don't you just close your eyes, okay? Stop looking at that. Stop working so hard at it. And I'm going to count backwards from three down to one, and then you're just going to allow the Lord to just move through you, and everyone's just going to lower this pole all at the same time. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Drop it. Keep going, it's moving, keep going. Keep going, keep going. Bend down if you have to. It's a beautiful thing. Don't stop now. Don't stop now, keep your fingers on it. More. You gotta bend at the knees. Come on, aren't you crossfitters? Okay, they made great progress. Yes, thank you. Woo! Good job. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. It is hard to be unified. How many of you know that? How many of you know that's why Paul says maintain the unity? I've, I've placed unity within the body, but you guys have to work to make sure you're maintaining it. So can I just say that you might not know, but every service, the worship team, the musicians, the singers... We have a mission and vision, and it's this, heaven's worship on earth. Heaven's worship on earth. The kingdom of heaven being released into our now. And how do we do that? We prepare his way under the authority of God's word. And we're, we're yielding, like they did with a stick, so that the power of God can be released. Prepare his way, release his power. And ultimately, we want everyone who's in this room to experience the presence of God of God. How many of you know once you experience the presence of God, no one can talk you out of the fact that God is real for sure? No atheist, no doubter, no skeptic, no scoffer. Once you know that you know, I have experienced the presence of the one true living God. And furthermore, not just in your prayer closet, when you experience the presence of God in a corporate gathering like this, whew, powerful, powerful. Are we where we want to be? No. But we're going. We're getting there, right? We're growing into that. So can, can I just get real practical? Did you get anything out of this so far? Just some, thank you, Lord. Yeah. 
I know I'm over a little bit here, but real practical. Um, I just want to ask everyone that we all participate and engage fully in our services every time. Can you just come and do that? Just lift up your hands, sing, shout, clap. Uh, try not to be a spectator. Uh, there might be new folks that, are, that, are, that don't know what's going on or they don't know the Lord yet or whatever. That might be you today. But if you're a believer, come and, and lock and load, right? Don't worship half-heartedly. Always worship with your full heart. Can I encourage you to arrive early so that when service starts, we're all in here and we start together? Be on time. Um, understand that there, I didn't teach a whole lot on this, but there is a little bit of difference between your personal worship and corporate worship. Sometimes you can get frustrated if, if you don't understand those two areas may or may not be similar on any given week. Um, realizing that worship isn't about me, but it's about we. It's about we. It's not what I get. It's what I give. Right? And God will give you what he wants, but you need to give to him. Amen. And so also you're going to see things and people do things. Maybe someone's too reserved for you. You know, don't bust their chops. That, that's where they're at. They're growing in that. Maybe someone's really exuberant and extravagant. And I've just found that to whom has been forgiven much, there's much expression of worship. And you don't know what someone's going through. Maybe they're broken in a puddle on the floor and they just need to do that, okay? And you're free to dance anytime, I'm just telling you. You're free to run around this room. The freer we get, I believe the more God wants to do. He wants to experience extravagant worship. So I just want to dream together with you for a second. What does it look like in our corporate worship gatherings when we all come with a heart to add our supply of the Spirit, to worship in spirit and in truth, to give the glory to God uniquely with the way he's created us under the vision of the local church, under the authority of God's word, unified. How powerful is that? What could happen? What might be? What might change? Are you ready to come next week with a different attitude and heart to worship? Are you ready to experience corporate worship? Amen. God's doing amazing things. He's going to continue to do amazing things. Before I close in prayer, I just want to, if you're new, if you've been here a couple times and haven't uh, made connection with us, Join us in the welcome room back there. Someone will be there to say hello. And the altars are always open for prayer. We'll have prayer workers. And seriously, get a group up here and try the stick thing. Because it's one thing to watch it. It's another thing to do it. And you realize, wow, unity, surrendering together. That's the point of that illustration. So let me pray and you'll be released. Father God, thank you, Lord, that we can come boldly to you through Jesus, the new and living way. I thank you for grace and peace and the powerful legacy and heritage of corporate worship we have experienced. And I thank you, God, and I pray, Lord, and declare that the best is yet to come. We'll continue to see and experience you do mighty miracles, signs, and wonders in our midst. And we praise you, God, and thank you for it. This week, Lord, just prompt our hearts. Just show us where we need to adjust, where we need to step up, where we need to surrender, God. And we look forward to coming together again for our next time of corporate worship 
here as the body of the Church of Grace and Peace. In Jesus' name, thank you for it. We love you. Amen.